Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastolka, and with me today, I've got none other than Steve Rice from Dotcom Jungle. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I like the none other. It makes me maybe sound like I was the center fielder for the Red Sox or something. <laughs> maybe you were. We haven't let people know yet. Maybe you That's were. That's right. I wanted to be, but it would have been the... The angels, you know, that's where I grew up. So. There you go. There you go. Well, if you, yeah, yeah, good West Coast team mm -hmm. for sure. So, Steve, it's awesome to have you on today because, man, we work work in similar ecospheres. You're in the you're in the uh, CPG space, helping them figure out their tech technology and how that interfaces with people. And really, what we want to talk about today, and I was excited about talk about is how you're helping people improve technology effectiveness in their businesses and how you talk about management by walking around and applying that to getting them using their technology better. Yeah, I, um, you know, I guess for me, uh, life has always been about the human experience and, uh, you know, you grew up in America, you work at places, whether it's uh, Taco Bell, Spaghetti Factory, REI, whatever, you're going to run into good bosses and bad bosses. And, uh, you know, we take that with us wherever we go. And uh, I, I remember, you know, as a youth experiencing, uh, you know, the, uh, the horrible owner, so to speak, who seemed to be a great person until he uh, was inside the building. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I always promised myself that I, one, I didn't want to work for people like that. Uh, and two, I wanted to have businesses that I would want to be employed by uh, and proud to be employed by. And then I wanted to help other businesses uh, do the same. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my adult life has been in pursuit of those things in, in business and in my personal life. So. That's cool. That's cool, man. Well, I cannot overlook your background, how you, you know, growing up the way you did it's it's not like the typical you know kid down the street so why don't we back up a ways and tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up the way you did with the outdoors and i mean you got outdoors just throughout you it's it's in you and, and you can't escape you so this is cool to cool to hear this yeah it's it's definitely a dna thing um uh i you know Going back to birth, I was I was fortunate enough to um, my my father was one of the people who was around in the '60s and helped invent the sport of bass fishing as we know it. Um, you know, he he's actually in the Freshwater Hall of Fame. He he will someday be inducted into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. It's kind of silly that he's not already, but you know we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I grew up uh, fishing everywhere. 
and uh, helping him as, as a little kid, you know, count the money at the tournaments and, uh, you know, weigh the fish. And, uh, you know, there are other people there. Uh, I'm not saying I was in a position of responsibility, but I was there and, and I, yeah. I traveled all over the U.S. Um, and as I got older, when I was a teenager, um, I actually was the alternate at the tournaments for when they had an odd number of folks. And oh, really? Yeah. So you, you got to have two people in the yep. boat. And yep. one of the reasons is to make sure someone's not cheating. Yeah. Um, so it, with that, and in addition to my dad being a fisherman, knowing everybody, uh, I, I have fished with most of the famous people from the 70s or 80s. Uh, and, and in doing so, became a really good fisherman, um, just sort of naturally, right? Yeah. Um, the downside to that is until I became an adult and moved away from home and stopped fishing with my dad and his friends, I got outfished every day of my life. It, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't matter how good I was because the guy in the front of the boat or my dad were way better, right? Yeah. Uh, so um, so that was cool. And, and the other cool thing is, uh, I, I'm not sure I ever told you this, but my dad ended up becoming friends with a bunch of the Los Angeles Rams in the 70s because they liked to fish. And they they tracked him down, and he took him down to Mexico and San Diego to the Big Bass Lake. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I sat on the couch and watched a couple Super Bowls with you know Jack Youngblood and Rich Saul and Larry Brooks and you know the All Pro wow. linemen for the Rams. Um, but all this outdoor stuff, uh, you know, my my parents' business models and the things they were involved in also changed. And at some point, they got into uh, TV show production around fishing. Mm-hmm. And they had a video production company with the the number one rated fishing show in the United States from like 83 to 89 or 84 to 89, something like that. And so I also traveled with them as a grip, uh, you know, managing waterproof camera equipment and and also fishing. Um, and uh, and then eventually ended up in Alaska as a fishing guide. So I have I have a bunch of I have a bunch of different lives. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I was a fishing guide in Alaska for a couple of years. That was exciting. Um, I also was a, a rock climbing and mountaineering instructor in Oregon, uh, you know, a assistant manager, manager of uh, an outdoor store and a travel store. Um, well, let's we'll get we'll get back. I want to talk to you right. about the climbing and the fishing, because, hey, I grew up in I, I grew up in South Dakota, right on the Missouri River. And we fished a lot there and it was, you know, fishing, hunting outdoors. So yep. we got some questions about that. But we got we got some people we know that are watching here today. So Ingar, hi, Ingar. Out here saying hello. And we've got Gail saying hello. Hi, She's having having supper and listening in, you know, three hours ahead of us. They they get to do that about now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I can't see who this is, but I'm thinking somebody you would know. But I'd have to look on. For some reason, Streamyard doesn't They're always. Pull clearly, them. a person of refined taste. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So when when you were uh, I okay. So first of all, back up because you <laughs> you know you were you were fishing about the time that, you know, in the, in the eighties, that's when I was just getting into college, you know, and, and, uh, and then when I moved to Tennessee, I, I going from South Dakota, we fished for bass a little bit, but it was more walleye fishing on the, the Missouri river. But yeah. man, when I moved to Tennessee, I got a lesson in bass fishing, man. The, the local oh, yeah. lake, lake where I was out there, I was water skiing and wakeboarding every, every day I could. And mm-hmm. every Tuesday night they had a bass fishing tournament on this lake every night. Oh yeah. 
and there's Every like lake in the south it, yeah it is, it's like it it, it it was like a religion there's like 30 boats out there they line up just like a regular tournament they come in and they weigh them all up and you know all catch and release when they're done oh it's yep. great stuff and the, the the size of fish too because oh, as yeah. you get farther south they get nice nice big ones so oh yeah it goes yeah. from smallmouth to northern largemouth to southern florida largemouth yeah those are the big ones yeah and, and, and i've fished on a lot of those lakes i've Gunnersville Lake in Alabama, uh, Stockton Lake in Missouri, Table Rock, Lake of the Ozarks, oh, a yeah. bunch of those ones back there, and Texas, Lake Livingston, and certainly every every major bass lake on the West Coast in the state of California, Nevada, and, and Arizona. I don't think there's a single one I haven't fished on. <laughs> um, you know, and then, uh, so, so in, in the end, uh, you know, I grew up a bass fisherman. I'm now a fly fisherman, but I'm really agnostic. Yeah. So you, what I have is like sort of an innate knowledge of fish, and I can read. I can read rivers. I can read lakes. And if you put a stick in my hand with a string and something on the end, I could do as as well as the next guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's been like the legacy. I think that's pretty fun. Right? That that's no doubt, no doubt. And that was Inger said that was Chuck. So thanks, Chuck, for the comment. So. Yeah. It would be, it, he would know, he would know. So that's really cool. That is actually incredible. It's, it's, I just think about it. It's so incredible that you're able to do this. So if you had to pick one place that you just said, it is the place, if you can just go there to fish, whether you catch a fish or not, you're just going to sit there and awe. Where is that? Oh gosh, probably I, I'm going to pick the largest state in our fine country and say Alaska. Um, and if you had to pick a specific spot, uh, gosh, anywhere around Juneau, although, you know, the, the, um, the Kenai is amazing. Yeah. Any, anywhere. Here's the cool thing about the Kenai. It's like you, you fly into Anchorage and you, you get in a van, an unassuming van and you drive out to the Kenai and all of a sudden you're passing these amazing glaciers and, yeah. and carved fjords. And you look out to your left and there's grizzly bears and you look to your right and and there's um, narwhals or what are the ones with the unicorn? Horn? Yep, yep. Uh, belugas, something. Yep, belugas. Uh, now I'm forgetting, but maybe it is. But it's just and orcas everywhere, you know. Yeah. And as as a fishing guide uh, in Southeast Alaska, I was on Admiralty Island, which is um, southwest of Juneau and directly east of Sitka. So if you can imagine the Panhandle, sort of at the top of that Panhandle has the largest density of grizzly bears in the world per square mile. And, and my job was to stand between the guests and the bears with a shotgun. So I have a, I have, I'm not a gun nut, but I have a really big gun with an extended chamber uh, 12 gauge that I still have today. Uh, but it's just, it's just spectacular to, to take a skiff up into a river and, and see six bears, the behinds at least of them, yeah. you know, waddle into the, the trees and then, wait there snorting and panting and making all sorts of scary noises and leave behind fish whose bellies are missing, but they're still flopping around because they're alive. Yeah. You know, they're going for the belly fat and the eggs. And, um, and then you look around you uh, and it's just trees everywhere and fish everywhere. It's, it's spectacular. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I should have known. I, I've only been to Alaska a few times and, and uh, I just about cried when you get outside there. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And I, you know, if people really want to go to the plate, the most unspoiled place that we, we haven't decimated yet, I would yeah. say like you, you got to get up to Bristol, Bristol Bay. 
Oh yeah. And if you if you see the stickers on people's car that says no pebble mine, that's the place you want to go. The Copper River area. Um, it's the the Br Bristol Bay might be the 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 most pristine and the best managed fishery in the planet. And uh, you know we we don't always give fisheries biologists and the government credit for what they do, uh, but that's that's as good as it gets of, of, of what's left in the world, you know? Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, it's, it's incredible because, that, uh, like you said, the, the experiences that you had from that, you know, from starting out with your, your father and then, and then how that led into being a guide in Alaska. And then some of those, the, the experiences just being in the, the natural beauty. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And I, I would make this connection. Like let's connect all this, this fun stuff to like where, where I'm at today. Yeah. We, we can fill in the middle, but I think the thing that, that my parents gave me that has suited me well, that I hope that I give my children is a sense of adventure and fearlessness. And, yeah. um, in my, in my own business experiences, um, and in the advisory capacities that, that, that I've been in with businesses, that's the thing that I think I bring that brings a lot of value because it touches so many things. Yeah. And in, in business, sometimes the worst thing you can do is do nothing. Yep. Uh, you know, in fact, a lot of people who are way smarter than me say, if you're, if you're not doing something, you're standing still. Right. Um, and I think that's true, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily even a proponent of a constant growth all the time either. Uh, I think you have to look at your industry and see what you want from a, from the human perspective. Like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, um, as I was actually advising a, a client of mine earlier today, and maybe it was yesterday I talked to him and I said, look, the, the, the KPI for me, the key performance indicator for me is if you and your wife have a better relationship because when you your go. business is performing better, you're going to sleep better. Yep. You're going to be less grumpy, you know, in the afternoon or you've already been working 10 hours or whatever. Yeah, that's that's what we're looking for. And, and so so the <clears throat> to me, that sense of adventure and I've been across the United States nine times in a car. I've got over 100,000 road miles. I, the only state I haven't been to is Michigan. I've been around the world. I've been to, to China, Hong Kong, Thailand, Ireland, France, Spain, Chile, Peru. You know, I've been some of those countries multiple times nice. uh, climbed in almost all of those countries. Um, and, um, but you know, when it comes down to business, the, that, that fearlessness is the willing to try. And the, there's aspects of being a fishing guide and being a rock climbing instructor and, and mountaineering instructor where the, the safety and the humanity of the people that are with you is foremost to the, the getting to the peak, right? And and I think those those are things that to me are more important than getting to the peak of a particular business, too. Like we're not just here to to kick our our uh, competitors' a's, you know. We're here to be the best that we can be in our business and the best that uh, we can be for our employees and the community that we're in. So. Sorry, that little interruption that I thought I would have, I did have. So 
We got to take. That's good. I thought yeah. about filling it in with words, and then I thought, well, there's yeah. we got lots. No, of no, sorry, <laughs> I, I apologize. That the the. the uh, you mean you're, you're a human too, David? Yeah, yeah. It's funny how that works. <laughs> but anyway, this because you're right. It's it, it is about the the bringing the bringing this back together and and showing the the human interaction between what they're doing and and a lot of times in the in the businesses the people um, owners will run their business at the cost of their personal health, their family's relationship. They're everything. And, yep. and that's, that's what I really appreciate about your approach is that you, you're talking to them about um, the overall. And, yeah. and I like that too. I, in fact, I, I speak to some similar things as well, because it, it doesn't do you any good if you, if you, if you work your butt off and, and you end up two years down the road with no family when you come home at night or right. you, or, or you're in the hospital. Which is even worse. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I do speak from experience because I've, I've made those mistakes. You know, I'm fortunate. Uh, I just uh, celebrated my 30th first kiss for 30th anniversary, my first kiss with my wife on our 25th wedding anniversary. She's still with me, put up with me. But I, yes. I've had moments where I was running businesses where I was, I was driving myself into the ground. Yeah. And, and I, I eventually sought out peers and advisors who helped me work through that, helped me change my own uh, working style uh, and made, you know, made me a better business person and made me a better person. Yeah. Um, so, so when I'm, when I'm consulting and advising, you know, an owner of a consumer products company, uh, I very often have a personal story or like I could say, yeah, I know, you know, I, I understand it. Even, you know, I just talked to a, a, one of my guys who's got two very important people on, the production floor who uh, have somehow upset each other a couple times over the years and they have a few grudges. And I've worked with that. I've, yeah. I've, I've had to be the HR guy in a company um, and have two people that are integral to the function of the company that I adore individually who just can't get along. And, and I have mechanisms that I was taught by somebody else or mm -hmm. that I, you know, everything I have is stolen from somebody else whether yeah. it was a college professor or a mentor or an advisor of my own that, and I bring those to the table for them. And, um, so, uh, it's an exciting thing to, to do, uh, to help a company in that way. And, it, and it's also exciting to have somebody say like, man, that's something I've been dreading forever. And when I went and did it in this particular way, I felt like a human being talking to them and they felt like human beings talking to me. Um, and you know, our company's better for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, and that's you you bring up one of I think the key elements in someone that really can can help in a business and that is teaching those people that you don't necessarily need to love that person standing beside you, but if you can somehow at least respect what they're doing and that they've got good intentions and you've got good intentions, that if you can get them to do that and get a working relationship built around that, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, so many people let it fester too long rather than just saying, "Whoop, we're going to stop and take care of this because it's, it's not good for either one of you or the business as a whole. Yeah. Well, and if, if you don't mind, I'm going to tout somebody else and then tell a story. About Let's do that. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
there's, there's a guy named Stephen Sloan, and he's written a book called Humane Leadership, and he's the founder of the Humane, Humane Leadership Institute. And I'm going to recommend to anyone who hears this, just go buy that book. And he's a big proponent of what's what he calls a performance mocha, which is a modified version of uh, something that's been proposed by lots of other people. And I, I use this as a framework, and it's been kind of revolutionary for me and my businesses and for the people that I help implement it as well. And MOCA basically stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Clarity, and Ability. And uh, literally, I, I actually have a 10-year-old iMac that I'm selling on Craigslist, and I had to remove a piece of paper that I taped to the footstand that said MOCA and told me what those things were as a daily reminder. And nice. it's, it's just a framework to have a conversation with people. And one of the one of the companies that I owned and ran for a while was uh, an outdoor store. And, you know, we had 20 employees and not everybody's going to get along. Um, but we implemented Mocha as a conversational framework so that so that we could actually have better performance reviews, because, yeah. frankly, everybody mostly dreads performance reviews. And when you when you when you start talking about motivation, opportunity, clarity, and ability, and you tell everybody else that this is how they should have the conversation, the stuff like, well, she did this and, and she did that, or they did this or he did that, kind of drops away. And you open up the door for a conversation where the employee gets to assess themselves on what their motivation uh, is to do even whether it's their job as a whole or a specific task, um, they get to talk about the opportunity that they've been given or not, because it, mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for a boss to say, I want you to do this stuff. We're going to add this to your workload, but not actually give them time to do it. Right. Uh, and then the clarity, does my boss give me the clarity and do I have the ability? And I've yet to have a conversation around Mocha or using the Mocha framework with somebody where we didn't cover all the bases of the human experience with those four topics. Yeah. And, um, and so like I even had an employee once come to me where I had given him a task and I just checked in and I said, how are you doing? And he said, you know what? I woke up this morning and I mocked myself. And I said, Oh Jeff, that, do tell what, what do you mean? He said, well, I realized like you were really clear about what I'm doing here. You know, I have this job in the social media sphere around outdoor products. It's pretty exciting. You're really clear about what you want me to do. And I clearly have the ability because I did this in my last job for the nonprofit and you've given me the opportunity. So every, every day between eight and 10, that's my job before the store opens. So I woke up this morning realizing I am completely unmotivated to do this because at my last job at the nonprofit, I was micromanaged and needled and demeaned. In, in ways that are kind of weird and, and it, it, it affected me emotionally. And he said, so I mocked myself while I was eating cereal this morning and I want to tell you that I'm going to renew my commitment to my motivation around this and I'll check in with you in two weeks and see how I'm doing with myself. And I, I was like, how awesome is that? My, yeah. my management job was done over a bowl of cereal and I didn't even have to do anything. Yeah, right? that's, and, awesome. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. The yeah. best story around that, uh, Damon, if you don't know, one quick one is yeah. that I, I had two people who couldn't, who were great people getting back to that two people get along and, or, or don't get along, both integral to the stability of the sales floor, well-loved by customers. Everybody knew their name that walked in the door and they knew everybody else's name, but for some reason they were just not getting along. Yeah. I gave them 20 bucks one day and I said, there's a brew pub across the street. I want you to go across the street and buy a beer. Take as long as you want, 
And even though the Mocha framework wasn't designed for this, I want you guys to talk to each other using the Mocha framework uh, about how you get along and, and how you're going to work this out uh, because it's your your relationship is really important to the success of this company, and right now your relationship is affecting all of us because we're all worried about you. And I and I said, and we need both of you here. So so you need to work something out. And they went and they were actually gone for two hours, had two beers, uh, and they came back and uh, we're best friends. <laughs> you know, and you know, five years later, they still even though they don't work at the same place, they still connect and talk regularly. Oh wow. Um, but it was, you know, it's another one of those things. My job was done. It cost me 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, so awesome because it's, it is, is sometimes it is that simple. It's just giving people the right framework and opportunity to, to, to do it. Cause honestly, when, and I'm glad you mentioned the book because I'm going to get it. It's we, we are expected to know things that we don't know. Yep. And and I think that the more I the more I the, I the, oh, just let's just be be blunt with it. The older I get, the more you realize that there's all this stuff that we think we or some for some reason people think we should know, and we have no freaking idea. I mean, <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, and there, we make mistakes. Yeah, over yeah, over and over again until you go. Oh, okay. Well, there is a better way to do this. So it's it's great that you do that. And then that framework sounds sounds awesome as well. So Gail said, "Got a question for you." So we better answer Gail's question here quick before we move on. She says, "What has fishing taught you about business? Your greatest life lesson?" Patience. You <laughs> you will you will not catch fish every day. And, the, and I'm not even talking about fishing now, where this is the metaphor, right? You will not be successful every day at what you do. And you will not make the right decisions every day. Uh, and, but you will, you will catch fish. You will have great days. You'll have bad days. And it's the, the other piece, um, and I relate this to fly fishing, it's really important to be standing in the river and have your line in the water. Right? Yeah. So you, you can't catch a fish if you're sitting on your couch. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, for sure. You know, to quote Brian Regan, or to paraphrase Brian Regan, don't tape fishing to watch again later. Like, <laughs> you need to go out. Go out and do it. You need to go out and do it. Yeah. So thank, yeah. Thanks, Gail, for the uh, prompt. Yeah, that was awesome. That was an awesome question. So now you are a climber too. Yes. So. I still enjoy climbing. And um, yeah, and I, I was never an amazing climber. You know, the, the, the Yosemite decimal system, they're up to like 516, 515B or something. I think the hardest climb I ever climbed was 511A. Uh, but I have climbed in some of the most beautiful places in the world, including Yosemite and Thailand and Spain, um, you know, cliffs over the water kind of thing, uh, all over Oregon and in California, uh, you know, Taquids, Idlewild area, Joshua Tree is, wow. has been a great experience. And um, so it's something that I still enjoy. Uh, all, I have three boys who all rock climb. Wow. And uh, um, we've done a lot of that. We've, we've actually traveled all, all around the West Coast with them to different climbing areas. Nice. Uh, and uh, and they, all, they all still climb today. And uh, mostly my, my job now is to be the belayer for yeah. them. And, and they, all, they all climb pretty hard. So... Um, you know, one of the great, so all my kids are in college. They all came back COVID. And at some point I said to them, we're sitting on the kitchen table. I was thinking, you know, 
when COVID is over and we're all back together some point, you know, between school or after school, I'd really love to do another big trip with you guys. And I'm thinking like, you know, we've been to Guanajuato, Mexico on a really cool little little league baseball trip that was fun. We've yeah. been to we've been to to France and Hawaii, and we've been to all over British Columbia. And I'm thinking they're going to say, "Yeah, let's go to Hawaii." And all three of them at once said, "City of Rocks," which is a climbing area at the very bottom of Idaho. And my wife kind of rolled her eyes. She said, "No, no, no." He he was thinking, you know, trip Paris, trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Paris, Barcelona, San Sebastian, Bilbao, Pamplona, Madrid. And I and she was kind of laughing, and I said, "Yeah, but I'm really happy with." City of Rocks because that's a place where I can go and I can climb a five-five traditional route, which means there's cracks for me to put my fingers in, and uh, which I really like. And yeah. and I can get to the top and sidle over to the left and put up some top ropes for my kids in the you know five ten to five twelve range, and then they can climb hard things because they'd get bored on the five-five. So yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's incredible. It's great that you got something to do with your kids. And it's uh, a similar experience for me. Our kids came home, you know, the first round of COVID. And it's a special time because you just don't get that. You don't get that time with your kids. Did, yep. did you guys have, did you enjoy that when they? When oh, they yeah. Back? Yeah. You know, and it, it was one of those uh, uh-oh waterfalls of, of activity flowing towards our house. You know, and I, at the time, I think my Oldest son was a sophomore. He's going into his senior year at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Uh, and my, I have twin boys who are, um, they were seniors at the time, heading into university, Lewis and Clark up in Portland. Oh, yeah. And um, so just as the, and, and the, these are incredible kids. And uh, the twins were supposed to go to the, they went to nationals, were supposed to go to nationals for debate. They were in this thing called Brain Bowl and all these events that got canceled because of COVID. And so they're the last two months of their senior year essentially disappeared. They didn't yeah. get to, they didn't get to walk. They didn't get to win uh, any awards. They didn't get to hang out with their friends. They didn't even get to, the, the schools basically said, okay, well we have some homework, but everybody's pretty much getting an A. You yeah. Know? Um, and, uh, and when my son came home from college for spring break, they had said, Oh, well uh, we're just going to extend spring break a week and see what happens. Well, by the time he, between the time he left and the nine hour drive back to our house, they had already announced that they were going to wait another month before people came back. And three days later they said, we're going completely online. So my wife and I were, went from preparing to be empty nesters to now having three boys and, and my oldest son's girlfriend whose family lives way out in the woods. that doesn't have Wi-Fi, So now she, yeah. she's hanging at our house cause she's going to the Northwestern and needs a place that actually has Wi-Fi that's quiet, which turned out to be our kitchen table. Uh, so, you know, did we have fun? We had a blast. And I remember looking at my wife and I said, we just need to look at this like this is an extended Christmas treat. It's yep. and it's going to last for nine months. And, yep. and it did. And uh, so I, I'm fortunate that my children uh, like me and we get along and they like each other. And uh, we all enjoy doing things together. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that I'm the luckiest dad in the world um, because I, I play music. I, I've been a multi-instrumentalist since I was a teenager. I taught myself guitar and, and bass and mandolin and banjo. And and I'm not very good at any of them, but I'm good enough to hang. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I don't know how many parents have said this, but my children have texted me 
when I had an office away from her saying, can you come home early so we can play rock and roll? Because <laughs> I, I have a drummer and two guitarists in the house to go with yeah. me. And so like I, I've actually come home from work and got to play Pixies and the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin nice. and then, you know, all sorts of classic rock and alternative rock and, and stuff. So Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, lo- I love hearing that because, you know, they're as as crappy as covid was for a lot of people i mean i this those those experiences with family that we had because of it are 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 precious i mean especially with kids that are your age or my age that are in that that college age or right around there uh we just we'll never have that chance again yeah and i made i made some conscious decisions as a business person to change my what was going on in my business life so that i could have that because you know as i mentioned the, yeah. You know, I do advise people like they got to remember their life and their wife yeah. or their husbands. Let's not pretend that that's just men running the businesses. Yeah. Got to remember your spouse. Yeah. And um, there was a point where I had one too many businesses and one of them was an outdoor store and I was working 50, 60 hours a week and I was not that pleasant to be around and it was hard work. But also uh, I couldn't say yes if my children said, you know, can you come home? Because I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't. Uh, and so I, I made a decision um, to get rid of one of those businesses so that I could have a better life. Um, you know, and, and in the end, uh, getting rid of the outdoor store allowed me to go outdoors with my family more. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now I, you know, I, I'm actually this Saturday, I'm going to be uh, whitewater inflatable kayaking a section of the Klamath River. Uh, class two and three whitewater with my sons and best friends. And we're going to make laps in this section. That's really fun. And, nice. You know, and and um, yeah, two weekends ago I was rock climbing in at Bishop's peak in San Luis Obispo with my wife and kids. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And we haven't really talked about business much. <laughs> oh, oh, you got time. That's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I like about this because I mean, it's it, there, there's a lot to business, and people think about it um, a, far often. Too many times, it's one dimensionally, and yeah. and really, it's it's when when you're in business at the level you are, or 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 um, other owners and advisors are, it, it you really get the whole person, and you need to understand that person and what they're doing and what they believe because like you said what you believe you help your clients live that life that has some balance that has some uh, you know different pieces to it so that they can um a have a healthy and happy life and it it takes that so Um, and in a business you know you what you have are 10 to 100 people who are all connected yeah, and that business is like a person too. Yeah, it, it has a culture and a personality, and it needs to be maintained. You know, and um, you know, sometimes you, the businesses need therapists, right? Yes, and uh, they need different types, and, and those people are usually called consultants. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes they work on culture. Sometimes they work on systems. Um, sometimes they actually like. I, I work with a company that's uh, frequently listed in Oregon as one of the top five companies in the state to work for. Um, and they really work hard on that personal uh, communication style. And they, they have rules that they follow that allow, give people the power to communicate with each other if, to make it so that 
you know, the, the mandate is we don't want things to blow up, but you also have a responsibility to make sure things don't blow up yourself before you come to your superior and say, I'm having a problem with somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so they have, they have people who are in charge of the culture who come in on a regular basis. And, and sometimes, you know, they might actually talk to somebody about, uh, their, their own personal life, you know, mm -hmm. like, there are a lot of executives. It, let me put it this way. It's really lonely to be an executive. It is. Because uh, you, you can't necessarily, can't really talk to your employees no. about the stuff that, that, that worries you in a, in a way that won't worry them. Mm -hmm. uh, and and your spouse might not understand what you do because, you know, yep. they're maybe busy being a doctor or a bus driver or something. Yeah. Right? They, they don't understand what you're going through. And you can't necessarily go to the owner of the company and say, like, I'm worried about all this stuff. And, you know, maybe you should, but maybe, maybe the owner's not receptive. So yeah. um, having somebody that you can talk to, you know, I, I, as an example, I, I've had somebody say like, I just totally feel like an imposter. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And, and my job is to say, well, what's true is that there are things you don't know what you're doing about like, like, let's be honest about what your weaknesses are and let's be, let's find out what your, what your really, what your strengths are. And, yeah. and maybe let's figure out if what other people think your strengths and weaknesses are, which is where Mocha comes in. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing is don't be afraid to be honest with the, the people around you. You know, like I, I've sat in a room with people who looked at me and said, you're the expert. And I've, I've literally, and this is the fearlessness. It's like, I really don't know. Yeah. You know, if I, if I have a superpower, one of them is that I, I will not tell you I know something if I don't know it. And I will, even if I, if I have the fear that it's going to make me maybe not be as, uh, have as much influence in the room, which never actually ends up being true. You yeah. always have more influence when you admit that you don't know something that I, I'm constitutionally incapable of like lying. <laughs> or faking it you know? yeah yeah um, so yeah it's funny you said that because i was on the i was on a call last week with 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 some people that were really getting an opinion and i said i don't know mm -hmm. and to something like that they thought well, well you're the ones i said i don't know everything this is a special situation i said mike i know who to talk to that probably will know and we'll figure that out that way but the being able to do that at that way, I think is very, um, is telling and it, and it shows that, that you're willing to work with, with others to, to get a better, the best solution you can yeah. in a lot of terms too. So let's talk a little bit more about, so we, we, we got off on the kids and all that good stuff. I can talk about kids forever, but, uh, and, and outdoors, those are the, you know, that you know this mixed baseball in there in my day shot so <laughs> we have uh so now you move forward you've been you've been helping you've had your own businesses helping businesses and now explain a little bit about dot-com jungle and how you're helping people now in their businesses and that the mbwa that you use yeah well so dot-com jungle from the outside kind of looks like a you know we build websites right yeah. Uh, but what we really do is uh, help companies make and implement wise technology decisions. And you, you can't do that from the outside with a product and just say, everybody needs this. Like not everybody needs Sage. Not everybody needs 
uh, CSI, not everybody needs Salesforce or HubSpot. And in, in, order to, in order to help them actually show them how to make these decisions, we don't just make the decisions for them. We show them how to go through the process of learning how to get the information they need to make the decision. Yeah. And surprisingly, um, I think that's one of the most important skill sets that a leadership group can have uh, and upper management. And it's, it's also one of the things that's sort of easiest to fall away. And, and not in a bad way because someone's, you know, people are bad or, or not smart or something. But if, if management team or the, yeah, the management team says to upper management, we want some information about, uh, you know, what, what are the challenges people are having? The natural thing for that manager to do is turn around and say, okay, I've got eight people working for me. What challenges do you guys face? And, and they might get some feedback. Well, what's actually happening is that you're getting feedback about stuff that maybe is top of mind right now, but there's also opportunities at every space for all of those employees to circumvent all the systems or any of the systems that you've put in place so that they can do their job better. And they don't look at that like it's a challenge. They look at that as a, a success because, and they're yeah. right. Right. And I'll give you an example is, is that uh, we were working with a company where we had streamlined all of their shipping processes this was maybe uh, 14 years ago, um, and you know, there, the we we built them a website. We had it connected to their ERP. We ended up circumventing the ERP in order to get to the shipping department to send them the files that they needed to drop onto the server, so they could click a button for WorldShip and um, some of the other tools for USPS, and it would print out all the labels they needed, right? And uh, in one click. Well, they had implemented a, the marketing team had come up with a, an infomercial. And as part of that infomercial, they had hired a phone company to answer the phones and take the orders and then send that information off. And um, through a series of quirks, you know, we, we were involved in the mapping of that file so that it could be imported into the ERP. Well, somewhere along the line, the, um, the head of shipping was having trouble once again with the ERP, because uh, they, they didn't map it the way that we mapped everything else, and they didn't ask us about that, and we, we, weren't, we weren't aware of what happened on the other end of this, right? At least initially. Um, but so he wasn't getting what he needed, and he, so he found out that there was a spreadsheet on the server somewhere. He found where that spreadsheet was, opened it up, and said, oh, if I make a couple changes to this, then I can import this, I can use it for my UPS file. So he started doing that. The second he did that, the folks in finance who were supposed to import this file into their ERP and, and then match all the invoices, they were supposed to be automatically matched, matched yeah. from the, the phone service, they, everything broke. And so they sent an email to the IT person who said, well, let me check the format. So then they got a sample format from the phone people and it matched. They sent us a sample format and said, is this the right thing? And we said, yeah, that matches. And, uh, and then the IT person said, well, everything's fine. And the finance people said, well, it's not fine, but I don't have time to deal with you. So we're just going to, the, the, the CFO put like four people every day. They were matching 200 plus orders by hand in the system for the last hour of every day. You know, uh, to yeah. get this job done. Meanwhile, the other guy's spending an hour every day massaging the spreadsheet to get his job done. He succeeded because he went and clicked a button and he'd print out 269 labels and bam, 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 bam. And one, an hour later, all those boxes were sitting on a pallet ready to go via UPS. Yeah. 
he didn't know he was affecting them. And, and he had also, you know, sent a note to the IT person saying, what's wrong with this? But she didn't make the connections and not because she's not a smart person. But what she didn't do is walk over to him and say, what are you doing? And that's this is the management by walking around. I knew something was wrong because I sat with the marketing department in, in this particular instance, and I could sort of see the operations from the rest of the company. And I was in touch with the shipping people, and I was in touch with finance. So I, I knew through sale, the sales team and finance that something was off. And I just talked to the owner. I said, let me come down and walk around for a little bit. And um, I went over to the shipping guy, and I said, hey, so you know, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm working on this spreadsheet. Oh, okay. Well, why are you doing that? Well, because, you know, I can't get the stuff out of the ERP and I have to do this thing. And I said, okay, well, show me what you're doing. And, you know, when he did it, he clicked the button and I, I said, was that what you expected to happen? He's like, well, what I expected to happen is for me not to have to work on this spreadsheet, you know. And I already knew what where the spreadsheet was. So we ended up having a meeting with about six different C-suite executives and upper management and Believe it or not, the story is coming to a close soon. It's been a lot long one. But the, the CFO walked in and she said, look, I'm really busy. I don't know why I'm here. And, and my business partner, Stephen, looked at her and she, he said, you know, give us about 20 minutes and I think you will know why you're here. And it's really important. Like every, we asked everybody in this meeting for a reason. Yeah. And so we started talking to them and asking questions and letting them unfold what was going on. And, and so the team could see what the shipping manager needed. And they could see what the IT person needed and where the disconnect was. At some point, the CFO looked at us and she said, oh, this is why I have three or four people hand-matching invoices at the end of every day. I said, yes, this is why. And, and she said, well, what's the solution? And we said, well, uh, we, we, now, we know what the shipping guy needs, and we can take that file from these other people. We'll write a script that will rewrite it in the format he needs so he doesn't open it. Yeah, uh, and then when you go to import it, it won't break. And yep. you know, for basically a one-hour meeting and maybe three to four hours of work, we fixed a problem that was, you know, costing them, I don't know, six hundred dollars a day. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, total labor hours. Maybe that's yeah. a slight exaggeration. Maybe four hundred, which doesn't sound like much, but certainly adds up when you every you have single day. That's every single eight, day. That, and it doesn't that, take into account the opportunity cost of three of the smartest financial people in the yeah. business were spending an hour a day or more. And the most important operations person in the entire company at the nexus of every single logistics piece of the company was spending an hour a day massaging a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. management by walking around is, is if, yeah. if anyone else had walked into that business and did what I did, which I like to ask three questions. What are you doing? Why did you do it? And what did you expect to happen to what you wanted? Um, and I uncover all sorts of things. I, I, I did a similar thing in a shipping, uh, with a shipping team where I, they, they pushed a button just like, uh, once again, World Ship. And uh, they had something like 250 labels pop up. And uh, about 200 of them had a big black stop sign on them because there was something wrong. Uh, and because of my, you know, 30 years of experience integrating this stuff, the second I saw that, I knew exactly what was going on. And I, I said, you know, give me about, give me about an hour and, and I'll come back. And I, I, I went over to the, the, the sales team who were phone order folks. And I said, hey, does, does anybody here open a spreadsheet 
every day to check it for something. And oh no, we do we do all our stuff through the web, and then it goes into the, the ERP through that. Okay, great. And I went over to finance and I said, does anybody here, you guys open a spreadsheet to check anything? And she said, you know, I don't I don't think so, but uh, Janice over here, you know, not her real name, she she does something like that, I think, you know, but so I went over and, and this is somebody that I had actually known for a number of years. And, and I said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm checking the spreadsheet. And I said, great. Where is that spreadsheet, by the way? He said, oh, well, it's on the D drive inside the UPS folder, inside the key folder, which is the key file for the UPS shipping team. And I said, oh, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, I go through this list every day and I'm looking for fraudulent orders and I double check it with the, you know, PayPal and the bank statements. And I said, okay, well, let me, let me show you how to use, you know, it, since this is an integral part of what you do, you have that information, but you're actually opening a file and breaking the shipping integration tool. And they're having to manually update somewhere between 150 and 200 orders a day in the UPS on the UPS World Ship machine. And she, of course, she was like aghast. And I said, yeah. "Don't worry about it. It's an honest, honest thing. Let me show you how to open that up without messing with the formatting. Save it to another folder so you can have a history of that, and then you can look at that file." And uh, and so we did that. And the next day, when uh, you know, Jose and, and gang in the shipping room clicked the the print button. They got about three uh, of those black stop signs, you know, yeah. which was a little bit normal because it's little UPS uh, address checking is all that was going on. Yeah. They had to double check. It. Yeah. But, you and know, that's so, a great example. I mean, it's a great example of just taking the time to look through what's going on rather than fixing the problem right there. And then going on and knowing you're going to have to fix that problem again and again and again and again. And yeah. in business, those little problems like that add up to hundreds and thousands and millions of hours every year. If you're not, oh, they, uh, not taking them. They, they really do. And, you know, in, in the, the thread of conversation on LinkedIn about this topic that you started, you know, last week in support of this event has a conversation going on about this that I've weighed in on because, Entropy and chaos enter systems all the time, whether you like it or not. And this yeah. is exactly how it enters: is you have really good employees who have a job to get done, and they something happens that tweaks what's happening that day, and they figure out a way around it. And and it's it's good for them, and it's not necessarily good for the company. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it doesn't matter how good your setup is, how how recent it is, how good your support team is that's going to be happening every day and so if, if you're not out there asking these questions and maintaining the systems and, and it doesn't matter if it's an erp your website the integrations uh you know the shipping team the buying team procurement and and logistics it's go it's going to happen it's the nature it's human nature it's business nature um and our jobs as leaders is to help people deal with the chaos in a business, minimize it, and also the chaos personally. I'm a, I'm a big fan, not just of leading companies, but of leading individuals and teaching them to be leaders, um, you know, yeah. by being better people. Uh, yeah. and I hope I wake up every day and get better. Yeah. But like fishing, awesome. some, some days, some days I catch better and some days I don't. Yeah. And some days you wonder why you're fishing. 
Yeah. Why am I in the, I don't even know why I'm standing in this river. Right yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. fish. There's no eagles. There's no beavers. Yeah. There's no people. There's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, that's, that's a great example though. If I think about what I was, what I was hoping part of hoping what we would cover is, is really about how you take technology and and take the time to really make sure that human interface and that human design is working so you're really getting the efficiency and the effectiveness from that technology because we spend you know lots of times hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars in these in the companies for the technology you know all the way from the the devices to the software to run them to the how they work together and then yeah. and then now when you look at how your website interfaces with a CRM, which interfaces with your ERP, which interfaces with the, all your customers and, and their ordering systems. Or if you're on e-commerce, the third party platforms. And, you know, sometimes you've got the automated, automated data flow between those. And quite honestly, some of them, if they break, you can't manually keep up anymore. Oh, you can't. And, you know, the world the world has definitely changed because of COVID and a lot of habits are changing. Um, and a lot of what we do right now, have been doing, is actually, in a certain sense, the way people's habits have changed for COVID has brought to light the things we've been saying for 20 years. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, trade shows were a significant way for a, a wholesale manufacturer of almost anything to get their their products into the hands of retailers anywhere in yep. the world and you know with covid we're not having trade shows um but what's true is that we i'm going to use amazon example we all know how to place an order on amazon mm -hmm. and ipso facto we know how to place an order on every well-made website in the world everyone yep. else we could place an order on a russian website in cyrillic and probably succeed if it had the picture of the thing we wanted even though mm -hmm. we couldn't read the language right so so it, it's it's like walking, and so if you if you have systems that introduce uh, obstacles that aren't like walking, you're building systems that aren't really going to be used much. And, and what I mean by that, like so contrary to that, if you're building systems that are like walking, like a website, they're going to get used. And the the information that I bring from my consumer products good background and especially outdoor industry, which for those of you who wonder what that is, that's the place where Patagonia and Hydro Flask and North Face live, and um, it's an exciting place to be uh, because it's it's progressive in terms of its yeah. relationship to environmentalism and globally conscious uh, thinking and circular economy stuff, and hopefully the stuff that will help businesses save the world instead of destroy it. Mm -hmm. um, but what I what I bring from that is I, I've been on both sides, and uh, there are a lot of systems out there that you know uh, Bob from Bob's Bait and Tackle in Eufaula, Alabama. He can't use it because it's a fancy system that was built by people who built something that doesn't look like a website. And yeah. it can only be used in certain conditions. Yeah, um, you know, one of which is it can't be used at a trade show unless that company maybe. Uh, spent $10,000 on a fancy industrial strength iPad with a special app and paid for an extra seat in the ERP, which is, might be five or $6,000 a year. Yeah. And, and so what, what I tell people, the, the thing that we've built for manufacturers and retailers and um, especially the food, food manufacturer works well for too, is your website's already there. It's, it is an input tool for your ERP nothing more nothing less you know 
well, maybe more because it's a marketing tool too, right? Uh, but why why would you have your sales re- outside sales reps work in some other platform when they could just as easily place that order on your website? And why would you have your customer in Ufala, Alabama, place an order through some platform that's hard to use when you could just have them place the order on your website? And you know, why not your inside sales reps too? Yeah. And and a lot of what we built are literally because the manufacturers we work with are saying to us, hey, uh, we can't place orders on our uh, anywhere right now when we go to trade shows. The Wi-Fi is not very good, you know, and, and these tablets they gave us are nuts uh, and, and it's expensive. And essentially, when COVID hit and our, our companies that were working with us stopped going to trade shows, they already had the platform. We built it for them. You know? mm-hmm. And their 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 sales reps were already tied to their retailers in their uh, specific regions. The in-house sales reps were already connected to those outside sales reps. Sales managers were already connected to the system and understood how it worked. And so, to actually ask the sales reps instead of going to the trade show, let's talk to you about using the website. We didn't have people coming to us saying, "I don't understand how this works." Yeah, because they've done it before, right? So. Yeah. That's uh, if I could, you know, pitch what we've done. The tool we built using open source software can be connected to any ERP, and you can use it for that. Like if you if you make if you're Cisco and you deliver food all over the United States, you can use our tool to put it in the hands of the people who are buying from every every location, you know, um, and every Jose level. That's a little Mexican, yeah, at every level. If that's Jose the thing. The Mexican cool. restaurant needs cans of tomatoes and whatnot. He can get on his phone and place an order. He doesn't even need a Wi-Fi to do it. Yeah, you know. So and in, that's in the, taking that human design into into account when you're doing it. That so that they it makes it easy. And then on the backside, adding the technology to it that understands that when Damon orders, this is who Damon is. Damon is, you know, he's a customer. He's a distributor. He's a inside salesperson. He's a support person. He's a whatever and 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 giving them the right experience for that and and also the thing that i think is really cool about it is if you're in e-commerce and everybody is using your site but you're able to change those kind of things you have to be able to you you find problems a lot faster because i i've seen in a lot of times if you launch something on your e-commerce site if you've got your own website and you do it you can have things that don't work and you don't realize it. But when you got all these other people that you know that are integral to your business, that that they'll they'll be telling you that you're gonna oh, get yeah. that call. The customer's just gonna go, it doesn't work. They jet, you don't even know. Yep. They don't they're gonna take the time to tell you that you, you know, your best product isn't loading a price or just says you got no inventory. They're they're not gonna take that time. And I think yep. that's something just really cool too, is you get that that instant feedback. On, on things that you're working for. Oh yeah, and those dealers are your best partners. And uh, when you listen to them, you're gonna make a better experience and they're gonna buy from you more regularly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it happen yeah. over and over. Yeah, and and you're, that's another great point is when you're, in, you're engaging people at all levels, if you're getting the feedback and how it would make it better for them and look at the common avenues across that, you can make the biggest impact for your that interface and the efficiency and the effectiveness of it across a wider range of people. That's really cool. That's really cool. 
Ah, that's I'm I'm just fascinated by it because I think it's it's something that you know you literally go out and even years ago I was in companies where you spent more than a million dollars on ERP systems and now it's in the multiple millions in some of these places and tens of millions in some, yep. and the interface seems like that's always the clunkiest part. Yeah. You got well, you know, the, the challenge with the ERPs is that um, even the people who build the ERPs uh, or yeah, I'm going to say that the build them, not the ones who did the coding on the background, but the salespeople and the implementers often don't understand the ERP thinking and the structure that ERPs are trying to implement. And, mm -hmm. and they're often sold and implemented by people who are very smart, who have a very linear way of thinking. Um, and ERPs aren't linear. They're, they're, in a certain way, they're a little bit closer to non-relational databases, which is getting a little nutty. But yeah. but if if you're if you're a linear thinker, like so you're an accountant and you go set up an ERP, you're going to create mayhem for everyone around you, um, because it you, businesses don't work in a linear fashion. Yes. Um, just like if if you're in manufacturing and you run a sew a cut and sew facility, and you understand some of the better uh, operational ways to run a cut and sew line, oftentimes people will take what's called one piece flow, which is a, a very good way to run that business or run that line. And they'll think the word line and they just run it in a line. Well, it turns out one of the best, uh, fastest ways to sew stuff in a line is to have it in a U shape mm -hmm. <laughs> or what they're calling an infinity cell. It reduces the distance between the people who are working. They can communicate faster. They don't have to reach as far. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Um, but once again, linear, linear thinking can be a tragedy when you get into implementation of systems like ERPs and, and websites for that matter too. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's great to get to talk to you because I can tell from talking to you that the deep technological expertise, but the, and, and I'll say, and the, the cool part is, is you don't find many people that have thought about the human factor as much as you have. And I can, I can see how, when you be working with clients, how that's very, very advantageous and beneficial because that, that, that last bit of interface is where you really make your money on these things and, and, or, yeah. or get the benefit from them. Yep. So, well, Steve, it's been awesome having you on today and, and we'll, we'll have Thank to you. have it's you back a wonderful again, conversation. you know, because we're sitting here talking about improving effectiveness and technology or improving technology effectiveness in business. And I think people might have thought, well, we're going to talk about technology and what platforms you use and all that kind of stuff. But really talking about the human interface, I think is, is the, place where we really need to start because there's so many companies that have probably decent technology in their companies now, but they haven't taken the time to, to check that and make sure that it's working right at that, at the human level. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's got to start there and there's yeah. a lot of technologies out there and I don't pretend to understand them all. And I try and be platform agnostic myself because um, it's not about any one particular tool. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. That's what I enjoy about talking with you is because, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are specialists in a certain thing, but then there's, then there's people that are specializing in, in, in moving businesses forward. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I think you guys do. So it's great having you here today. Thanks so much everyone for listening to us today. Thanks Steve for being here. 
How can Thank people you. get it's a been hold a of you? Pleasure to. Uh, well, um, you can connect with me on on LinkedIn. You can go to either of uh, my websites. Uh, there's dotcomjungle.com and uh, the globallyconsciousleader.com is a leadership training and mentoring program that I'm working with with a friend named John Laney. That's really exciting. Actually, integrating a, a bunch of thought leaders in the especially outdoor retail uh, world to actually mentor and train the leaders of tomorrow. Um, and then I've got my SR Consulting uh, VIP because you're very important people. Uh, nice. There's contact forms on all of those, and you can get in touch with me there. Nice. Come, nice. come say hi on LinkedIn. Yep. And sorry I cut you off there. I was getting I was getting excited, man. I I get excited when I talk to you because we have a good time, and um, I just really appreciate you stopping by and sharing sharing the knowledge and and uh, sharing the great fishing stories and the 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 growing up stuff that had to be incredible. So thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, maybe we'll have an entire fishing episode next time. Maybe, maybe time we I will. Almost, tell you about the time I almost killed some people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thanks so much. Hey, I didn't say this. Thanks, Chris. You're you're on. You put this up a while ago. I didn't put it up yet, but thanks a lot for for being on. We will be back again on Thursday, talking with more people in business. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks everyone for listening. We're out for now. Have a good day. Thank you.